had weight loss surgery, and now you find out that you need to follow some 30-30 rule. Are you surprised? Are you thinking to yourself, what the heck is a 30-30 rule, and why do I need to follow it? And what if I get something stuck in my throat while I'm eating? Do I follow it forever? Actually, this 30-30 rule can help make your transformation and journey an even greater success. Coming up, bariatric dietitians Gail and Isabel join me to answer your questions and explain why it's beneficial to follow this rule and for how long. They're back. Calcium Dark Chocolate Bars, a ProCare Health customer favorite. Now available online at ProCareNow.com. Creamy chocolate plus calcium and vitamin D. You'll love them too. Use code SUSAN. 10 to save 10%. Hi, I'm registered dietitian nutritionist, Dr. Susan Mitchell, ex-radio dietitian turned podcaster. You're listening to the Bariatric Surgery Success Podcast, episode number 140. Tired of all the hype and confusion when it comes to nutrition, especially bariatric nutrition. It's enough to make you say, forget about it. I don't know what to do. Well, I do. I know what to do. When it comes to your bariatric surgery, nutrition is specific. So let's cut through the hype. Let's get the accurate nutrition information you need to know. Simple strategies that will work in your real life. I created the Bariatric Surgery Success Podcast for you. I'm so glad you're listening. I want to give a shout out today to MDM232323. The five-star Apple podcast review says, I had sleeve surgery in March and I just happened to find your podcast. And what a blessing. I'm listening whenever I can to get through your library of past podcasts to educate myself. Thank you so much for posting this five-star review. I'm glad the podcast has been a blessing and that you gain usable knowledge from them. Keep listening. Well, joining me are your expert bariatric dietitians, Isabel and Gail, who in their clinical practices have their fingers on the pulse of the most up-to-date science. Isabel Maples is a bariatric coordinator at UVA Health in Haymarket, Virginia. Gail Smith is the bariatric dietitian at the Weight Loss and Bariatric Surgery Institute in Orlando, Florida. You can find both Isabel's and Gail's contact information in the show notes. Well, hey, Isabel and Gail. Hi. Hi, Susan. Hi, Gail. Hey, Susan. So this this 30-30 rule, also called the 30-minute rule, and actually it's very beneficial after surgery. But what's it all about? Isabel, tell us, what is this 30-30 rule and are there other names for it that we should know? I don't know any other names for it. I call it whatever my patients want to call it. But the 30-30 rule is a good thing because it's designed to increase comfort and to allow patients to balance both fluid and nutrition needs after surgery. I find it's a really helpful, especially for six months, but even for years afterwards. Here's the idea behind this, the 30-minute rule. It's simple. Simply separate food intake from fluid intake. There's just not enough room after surgery in the small pouch that you have left that to have both fluid and food in there at the same time. Trying to do both doesn't allow you to do either one of them well, and it makes the stomach too full, and that's uncomfortable. Now, my patients, 
obviously need to stay hydrated. And that means sipping water slowly and steadily throughout the day at regular intervals. But since the stomach is so small, even a few tablespoons of water can, can be too much, especially when trying to get all that protein in that your doctor and dietitians um, advise as well, right? And too much can lead to discomfort or that terrible tightening in your chest or even a feeling of choking. So the 30-minute rule is designed to help avoid all that. Yeah, and that feeling of choking is a miserable one, and Mm it's something that that scares people. And I think that's why they ask these questions, what do I do, especially if that happens. Gail, are are your patients surprised when they hear about this rule, or do they come in having already heard about it from someone? Well, some of them are surprised about it, and others, many of them, have heard something about this rule from others they know, or perhaps from online support groups. Even if they don't quite understand the reasoning behind it, and they usually have questions for me about it. Uh, I try to tell them it's most important in those first few months to a year after surgery, and that it definitely does get better as time goes on. But I tell them there's a purpose for it, and they don't want to overdo drinking and eating at the same time because that can possibly stretch that pouch or the sleeve of your stomach. Basically, the reason for it is to make them feel good and eat healthy. And feel good, something mm-hmm. everyone wants, right? If that's They're going through this. That's the whole goal. Let's feel good. So does this rule apply to all bariatric surgical procedures, Isabel, and your center? My clinic only does the sleeve and bypass surgeries. We do recommend separating food and fluid for both of those types. And what about you, Gail? Yeah, we also uh, add in there the uh, duodenal switch surgery. We do some balloon placements for weight loss too. And we always say that's going to be the best uh, rule to follow, the 30-30 rule for comfort. And a good outcome, as we're saying, a good, yeah. a, a positive yeah. reason for it. Okay, so Isabel, I had this question from my Facebook group. Do I really have to wait 30 minutes to have water or, for that matter, any liquid before and after my meal? Well, we'll talk about this because there are times when this rule is debatable. But to quote Captain Jack Sparrow from the movie Pirates of the Caribbean, It's more like (laughs) guidelines than a hard and fast rule. And my professional take on that question, though, of whether to eat, I mean, to wait 30 minutes after a meal to drink is yes and no. Um, I stress the importance of not drinking for 30 minutes after a meal. And here's why. During the meal, I want my patients to stop at that first sign of fullness. So it doesn't make sense for them to then start back on, you know, drinking immediately without giving that food some time to start the digestion process. And then it makes the balance of getting enough food and fluid in way more comfortable. I look at that as the big benefit of this 30-30 rule. But I don't make as big a deal, um, nor do the other dietitians I work with, about not drinking for 30 minutes before a meal for a couple of reasons. One, the liquid empties out of the stomach much faster than the, than it does for solid food, which has to get digested there. So drinking before a meal is not as uncomfortable 
um, as long as you know you're not super full from that fluid. And then my patients are sipping, not gulping fluid. So the volume that they're drinking um, is not going to be as much to make them real full. And if they've been drinking a lot, I say, sure, you know, wait a, wait a little bit before you get your fluids, maybe even 30 minutes, maybe 15. But if you're just sipping, I have no problem with just moving into, into food as long as you're not real full. And I think that let your fullness guide you, as you just said, is so important because it goes back to what we want to happen is that's learning the cues of your body, listening to your body. Have I had enough? Am I still hungry? Am I done now? That is just Mm -hmm. so critical. Part of what you both I know over and over teach us about. Yeah, that's my whole goal is to help them use that low hunger period to help recognize where their stopping point is, where their hunger is, and and figure that balance. Yes, um, especially right after surgery when it's hard to take anything bigger than tiny sips of fluid. They're really a lot smaller during that time. And it feels like such a job to get your two liters, 64 ounces of fluid in for the day. And I tell them, relax, it can take maybe up to a week to get that much fluid in, as long as each day you're taking a little bit more at a time. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, the 30-30 rule in the first two um, phases, phase one and phase two, it doesn't even apply because there really isn't solids during that time. So it's really, I don't like to give them a lot of unnecessary restrictions that early after surgery. Oh, I so agree with that. That's there enough, right? Right. (laughs) We don't need to add add any more. Exactly. We'll be back in a moment. And when we come back, Gail will tell us if you have to follow that 30-30 rule forever. Bariatric surgery success is thrilled to partner with New Hope Girls, women empowering women. They offer a discount to our community. Code transform to save 15% and celebrate our shared commitment to transformation. Shop their beautiful bags at newhopegirls.com. So Gail, I've been asking the Facebook group if this rule has to be followed forever. And I know that somewhat debatable. In fact, it's not just patients that want to know. You and I were talking about a question that you had just recently from an ICU or intensive care dietitian. So tell us more. Oh, yeah. This was a good one. Uh, I had a very interesting email from this ICU dietitian, registered dietitian nutritionist, asking if this 30-30 rule is really forever as it was interfering with a patient's fluid intake as she was now a few months out from surgery and admitted for other reasons, kind of a narrowing of the esophagus that needed a dilation. Uh, of course, I told her post-op hydration is most important, and I say drink liquids as tolerated with the meals. She was on IV nutrition, and they were trying to wean her off of it and get her on to regular food meals, starting with the full liquid diet first. So it's very interesting and really somewhat debatable for sure, but it's more important uh, to know the, that the research continues and when we need to, uh, you know, kind of liberalize these restrictions. 
But my surgeons are pretty strong on saying for a lifetime to try to continue not to drink and eat at the same time a lot of each. You know, you might need a few sips here if something's really dry. But that 30-30 rule, you kind of need to keep it somewhat implemented, especially like after the meal, maybe more so than as Isabel was saying before. And I want to just say one other thing. You said your surgeons are strong on this for a lifetime. Was that correct? Yes. Okay. Just because, again, that, you know, that's, it is debatable and it's interesting that some centers and some surgeons say different things. Right, right. But, you know, when you look at what the research says, though, um, Susan, well, first of all, there's not a lot of research that show that looks at this. But here's right. the idea behind it. The idea is that fluid mixes with food at a meal, and that's going to allow the food to empty out of the stomach faster. Normally, the food is going to be in there for three and a half, four hours if it's more protein, because that's how long protein takes to digest. And when it empties out, then you're ready for the next meal, right? So the idea is if you're making yourself, you know, not have that fullness in your digestive system, then you may end up eating more during the day, um, you, you know, because you're eating more often or you get hungrier more often. So that's the rule. That's the idea behind the rule. Yes. And see, I think that's that's critical. Yes. And I think it's something that we need to talk about a little bit more here. It's not that we're trying to give you restrictions or make things difficult. But, you know, I hear this from a lot of you in the Facebook group when you say to me, why am I hungry? I'm always hungry. So if you're mixing the fluids and the solid foods, like Isabel just said, and it moves through more quickly and you're more hungry again, you want to eat again you can see that that could be adding to or one reason why hunger kicks up. So I think this point is not to be missed, that it's so important for feeling that satiety or that feeling of fullness, that keeping these separate helps to do that. So helps you in the long run feel satisfied. So Isabel, why is it so smart. I want to look at the benefits to the body after surgery. I know we just said satiety. Mm -hmm. Others? Yeah. Well, drinking with the meal may also cause dumping syndrome, which is basically where the food is going to move through the digestive system faster than normal. And that can cause nausea, vomiting, or diarrhea. Nobody wants that. And also drinking with the meal, especially, you know, early on after surgery, it can be so uncomfortable. And that's so important. I mean, it's really important for success now and down the road. And so I want my patients to be able to recognize fullness and not feel like I have to get all this in, but I'm so full. So as Gail said, sometimes maybe it's something you work up to. in, in terms of how to balance that food and fluid at the beginning, because you want them to find their stop and point before yes. they're too full, because we know that sometimes one bite or one sip can make the difference between comfort and discomfort. Yeah, realizing you've had plenty before you reach that mm-hmm. point of being uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah and then sometimes, it's really uncomfortable. Yeah, and then sometimes they even throw up, which is no fun. No. And so what have you found that goes on right after surgery, Gail? 
I found that really right after surgery, the patients need to still separate the food and fluids a little bit to make it easier for them to achieve really both goals, getting enough fluid and perhaps getting enough protein, at least the 60 grams of protein. And I'm thinking more not phase one and two so much, full liquid uh, and clear liquid, full liquid. I'm thinking more that soft diet when they really are coming off the protein and uh, shakes and onto real protein, shredded ground types of of protein foods or, or soft enough. And actually, the first two weeks after surgery, I treat the shakes kind of like a meal and advise them just to maybe drink it a little bit slower, uh, a little bit at a time, maybe just a third, a third, a third of the shake throughout, you know, the day or the during the daytime hours and try not to just finish it all because I think they have more com- um, comfort mm-hmm. when they do that. Is that what uh, you find too, and, Isabel? And it makes oh. them more successful, right? That's what yeah. you want. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. I've had patients tell me, hey, I finished that protein shake. You told me to to get in. It took me an hour and a half, but I finished it and now I'm so full. I can't even drink any water the rest of the day. Yeah, I've heard that too. And what do you say to that? That's when I ask them to, you know, rethink that drink and split it up. You don't have to just because it's one container doesn't have to mean that you drink it all at one time. I tell them to drink for 30 minutes, put it away and then wait that 30 minutes and then pull out their other fluids, low calorie, no calorie fluids. Yeah, I think that's great advice. So we've been saying all these benefits because I wanted to show that this rule does a lot of good things to enable your success down the track. But so let's look at the flip side, Isabel. What happens to the body if you say, not me, not following this rule? Yeah. Well, besides the the discomfort that we've talked about or, you know, even the nausea, you know, things like that, that can come from uh, things moving through the digestive system or the hunger. But, you know, when we look at the research, it doesn't really strongly suggest that you won't eventually be able to do both eating and drinking together. And so I don't make as big a deal about it, but I really make a big deal about the comfort piece and figuring out where your stopping point is so that you're not overly full. Because I feel like those are really long-term skills that help you with weight maintenance even down the road. I don't want my patients overeating to the point that they're uncomfortable or overdrinking even. Um you know, I want to make this as easy as possible for them. Yeah, exactly. Um, And at some point, I want to add with the long-term post-op, if like someone wants to become a marathon runner or just a 5K, if someone wants to get more physically active and needs more fluids and maybe perhaps even more food to fuel their activities, it's okay for them to start maybe drinking and eating a little bit at the same time, as long as what it takes to get it all in is still comfortable for them. Makes sense. Yeah. Makes and, very much yeah. sense. Yeah, and it's, and also I think um, Isabel, you and I talked about at some point if they want to get pregnant post-op, and they may feel more restriction and discomfort at meal times, they may have to kind of be eating smaller meals and maybe drinking a little bit at the same time. Uh, but eventually, you do want them to go back to separating that fluids, foods and fluids as they 
uh, can maintain that comfort yeah. zone. A growing baby is going to put more pressure on your digestive system and, and make it uncomfortable to eat or drink a lot at one time anyway. So yeah, those smaller meals and then separate now and, and, and remembering the comfort piece by waiting a while after a meal before you start drinking, if you've already been doing both at one time. Well, thank you for those last thoughts. I really think that information on pregnancy after surgery was very helpful. So thank you both for adding that. I so appreciate your time today. This information is good. It's helpful. It really gives good guidance to what to do about this rule. So thanks so much. As always, appreciate you guys being here. Always a joy. Thanks, Thanks, Susan and Isabel. It's always fun. And remember, you can you hear that these benefits of the 30-30 rule are real and therefore your journey and therefore the benefit and success of your journey. But there are times and issues that may need to be addressed for your specific needs. So when that's the case, go back to your bariatric dietitian and ask these questions. They know the science. They'll have the answers for you because you are worth it. Bariatric Surgery Success with Dietitian Dr. Susan Mitchell is produced and owned by Practicalories LLC. All rights reserved. Remember, the content provided on this podcast is for information purposes only and doesn't create a patient-provider relationship. It's intended to provide reference material and is not designed to provide medical advice. Please consult your healthcare provider regarding any medical issues you have relating to symptoms, conditions, diseases, diagnosis, treatments, and side effects. Podcast guests express their own opinions, experience, and conclusions, which do not necessarily reflect or agree with the host, Dr. Susan Mitchell, or Practicalories, LLC.